You are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host today is Cindy Johnson, Secretary of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Jeremy. This is December 25th, 2022, and this is episode 205 of Lighthearted. In a few minutes, we're going to listen to part two of our two-part interview with the past and present owners of Borden Flats Lighthouse in Fall River, Massachusetts. We're recording this a little bit earlier, but this podcast episode will be released on Christmas Day. So how's your holiday season going out there in Arizona, Cindy? It's good. Uh, So far, so good. We started decorating and I'm thinking about which treats and cookies and good things like that um, to make this year. How about Uh you? Uh, I did a little shopping today. Went to downtown Portsmouth. That was nice. nice. Yeah. You know, downtown Portsmouth well. Some nice shops and stuff. I went in an Irish shop, which was neat because having just been in Ireland, I felt like I was back. So that was fun. Cool. Uh, did some decorating at home with Charlotte, my wife, uh, and some decorating at the lighthouse a couple of weeks ago. Yes, you did. Uh, the lights around the railings and some lighted wreaths in the windows, which always looks nice. Yes. Thank um, you. To, and to our volunteers, uh, Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses for that. So before we get to today's guests, uh, we're going to read something that relates to the Christmas holiday. Cindy, I believe you have an article on Ida Lewis, the famous keeper who lived at Lime Rock Light in Newport, Rhode Island for more than 50 years. Yes, this originally appeared in 1890 in the Ladies Home Journal and was reprinted in some newspapers at that time. The article was called Christmas in a Lighthouse. Here's the quote from Ida Lewis. Quote, have you ever thought what it must be to spend a Christmas day in a lighthouse? For 50 years, my Christmases have been there. To you landsmen and women, a snowy Christmas generally means that the day is complete, but to the lighthouse keeper, it is too often ushered in by a northeast gale. As far as the eye can reach under the light, I see nothing but the fast-driving flakes, while the sea dashes white on the rocks and is a visitor at my windows, knocking noisily every few minutes. The wind shrieks through this old house, rushes through the lantern with a noise like the shrill whistle of a steamboat foretelling danger, and even around the doors there is a chorus, as if an army of fiends were attacking us. But with all this against us in the elements, in my girlish days we had many jolly Christmases, for we were a large family of boys and girls, and liked, just as I do today, the pleasant giving and receiving of gifts, which marks the birthday of Christ. Now, with only my brother Rudolph left, we make the day as jovial as can be, and my dinner, with its turkey and fixings of celery and cranberry sauce, its mince pies and plum pudding, I should like to share with you all, unquote. Thank you very much, Cindy. So let's get to today's guests now. Sure, Jeremy. This is part two of a two-part interview with the past and present owners of Borden Flats Lighthouse in Fall River, which is in southeastern Massachusetts near the border with Rhode Island. The lighthouse was built in 1881 on a dangerous reef to help guide increased shipping traffic as Fall River became an important center for textile manufacturing. In fact, the city grew to become the largest textile producing center in the United States during the 1800s with over 100 mills in operation by 1920. 
The lighthouse was also known as the Kikachin Light after the Kikachin River and Fall River, but that name didn't make much sense geographically because the lighthouse is actually located where the Tonjin River meets Mount Hope Bay. The name Borden Flats was used for the treacherous reef long before the lighthouse was built. It was named for Fall River's famous Borden family. The Bordens settled in the area in the 1670s and for many years they owned much property and factories in the city. When Fall River became a town in 1803, nine of the town's 18 families were Bordens. Of course, the best-known member of the Borden family was Lizzie, who was involved in one of the country's most famous unsolved murders in 1892. Today, the Lizzie Borden house is a popular bed and breakfast. Borden Flats Lighthouse is a cast iron tower on a cylindrical caisson, the type of lighthouse that's often called a spark plug light. There are five stories above the basement and two levels served as living quarters. John H. Paul, one of the longest serving keepers, came to Borden Flats in 1912 and remained until 1927. In August 1912, he carried out a daring rescue of a man from an overturned boat for which he received a bronze life-saving medal. Keeper Paul figures in many of the station's ghost stories, a subject that's discussed in today's interview. Yeah, in 2006, it was announced that the lighthouse would be available for transfer to a suitable buyer under the provisions of the National Historic Lighthouse Preservation Act of 2000. There were no applicants, so the lighthouse was sold at government auction to the general public. The original buyer announced plans to turn the lighthouse into a microbrewery, but the sale was never finalized and the property was auctioned again in 2010. The buyer was Nick Korstad of Oregon. Nick completed much renovation and he opened the lighthouse for tours and overnight stays in 2016. It's one of only two lighthouses of its type to have overnight accommodations for the public. In 2018, Nick bought the Big Bay Point Lighthouse Bed and Breakfast in Michigan and he sold Borden Flats to Kevin Farias. Kevin, a Rhode Island native, is the media director for New England Laborers. In part two of our discussion, Kevin and Nick compare notes on the paranormal activity at the lighthouse, along with many other aspects of owning an offshore lighthouse. This was really a fun conversation, so let's listen to part two now. You had to close the lighthouse for a while because of COVID, right? Was it for a full yeah, season? Um, was yeah, the first, yeah, the, 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 the season of 2020 um, when mm-hmm. COVID uh, devastated us. Um, uh, obviously, they had all hotels and inns um, closed in the state of Massachusetts. Um, matter of fact, Nick and I were on the phone because he had the same situation up in Michigan. And we kept saying, gosh, we, we, you know, are we going to survive this? Uh, I know in the first few months, you know, we lost about $35,000 um, and had to, you know, refund because we were book solid and had to refund that money. And, and it, we took a hit. We took a hit on that. But Thankfully, uh, towards the end of 2020, I, I, I just feel that the majority of folks who, who were suffering cabin fever <laughs> decided that there was time to book. And towards the end of the year, the bookings went wild and um, we easily sold out 2021, um, you know, within within two months. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so that really, really helped keep keep us running and keep us alive. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, it was it was it was a tough thing to have to deal with at first. 
Mm-hmm. Same thing this year. Have you sold out this year, this past yeah, season? Yeah, we completely sold out. Um, well, we've been sold out four years straight now, and we are completely sold out for 2023 already. Wow. Um, and uh, hundreds of people begging me to open the reservations for 2024, which uh, <laughs> we do that. Uh, we will be doing that on November 1st. So wow. I'm sure another sellout is, 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 is you know, eminent. Um, it's yeah. amazing the the popularity and and i know nick hadn't and uh nor have i uh spent one nickel advertising that lighthouse mm-hmm. um and it sells out every year so yeah. um we're just we're blessed we're just really blessed with all of the folks who are enthusiasts and want to come out and, and you know and enjoy the experience and um we hope it keeps going yeah oh definitely look at look at what you started here nick it's, it's yeah, pretty nick, Pretty amazing. Now you're making me work so yeah, far. Look, look, look how much work I created. <laughs> yeah. uh, let me ask a question of both of you. What do you think are the biggest challenges you've faced owning an offshore lighthouse? I mean, you've kind of answered this to some degree already, but what, what comes to mind as the biggest challenges to maintain a lighthouse like that? Well, for myself is that, you know, the difference between a, a land base and an offshore is that nature will allow you when you can go out to your offshore lighthouse. You can't just go anytime you want. And that was always a challenge for me is that as Kevin might notice is that he might have some days off that, you know, he needs to paint the lighthouse, but there's a 30 knot South wind. And it's like, well, I can't do it this day, but you know, those are the challenges that it's like, every time you want to do something, there's a, a weather window or something that's, you know, a tide or something that doesn't work. And it just gets really frustrating. You know, you need to get some furniture out, you need this or a generator breaks. And you're like, oh gosh, it's a lunar low tide and there's no ladder runs left. I can barely get up on the, the lighthouse, but we need electricity and stuff like that. Where people who come and drive to these lighthouses on land, you know, you know, you can paint, you can do whatever you want almost any day of the week. It's just, oh, you know, whatever, we'll paint this side of the house. There's no wind on this side. You know, call the power company and have the, the power fix. So um, it's a true, like, you know, tiny home in the middle of the woods experience, but you're in the middle of the water and uh you know, I'd say, you know, dealing with weather is probably the most challenge, you know, to me, it's fun getting up and down the ladder. I don't have physical constraints or anything like that, but, you know, people, people want to be your friends when they see you take a China hutch out on a Zodiac in the middle of the bay. And they're like, what, where's this going? I'm like, oh, I'm just taking it for a ride. You go by the tipsy seagull and you've got a nice China hutch in your 10 foot Zodiac. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, but, you know, and, you know, boating, you know, Pulling up to these lighthouses is, you could be a boater your whole life, but to pull up to a lighthouse is not you something you can do. Pulling into a dock is different, but the current and everything is different every single time you go out to that lighthouse. And it could be the flattest day, and that tide is going out at like seven knots with the river current. And you pull up, and the back of your boat just flips all the way around, and you look like a complete <laughs> idiot. And you're like, oh, I meant to do that. I just wanted to see, you know. So, but there are many times I would go out there in 40, 50 knot winds to attempt an emergency evacuation to see if I could get that boat to tie up. And uh, I'm very lucky I didn't lose hands and stuff like that because, you know, the waves are going up and down four feet and, you know, you bottom out that rope and, you know, you rip the cleat right off your boat. And so, you know, and you don't know, sometimes storms will come up when they weren't predicted out there. And I had to check out and, you know, one time I got out there not to, you know, go into a tangent or anything, but someone had cut their anchor rope off and I pulled up and it was blown about 40 knots 
and my motor caught that cut off rope and the motor just was stalling. I couldn't figure out what it was. And then finally I reeled it in. I had like 30 feet of rope wrapped around the motor and I was dead in the water heading towards the pier with the North wind. And wow. I had to get the arena to come out and he had to get a Saza. And, you know, I was like 30 feet from being smashed into rocks and he got me saved. I was like this, all this just to get this person off a lighthouse. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. How about, uh, Kevin, you have any, any comments on any of that? No, I absolutely concur wholeheartedly. Um, weather is the biggest challenge. Um, and I find, again, on a daily basis, um, we technically take six trips out to the lighthouse uh, and uh, where I'm every single morning get into my office. The first thing I do is check the marine forecasts. Um, and uh, unfortunately, sometimes have to disappoint folks. Um, if if I just feel, you know, obviously with all of us, safety is priority. And sometimes we we just have to cancel. Um, you know, again, mm -hmm. like Nick said, you know, forty knot winds out there, four foot waves. You know, our launch boat is a nineteen foot center console, uh, the same one that Nick had um, for the. You know, and by the way, Nick, yeah, we did blow off a couple of cleats this summer <laughs> um, on the tie off. But yeah, I mean, um, that is the biggest challenge. And uh, it's easy when you don't have a guest out there um, and have them coming um, to stay. And if you need to cancel, um, it's okay. But as Nick said, it's the retrieval <laughs> that can yeah. be difficult because as dangerous as it might be to head out there, you have to. Um, and uh, I remember one time, I think I even mentioned to Nick that normally it's about a two to three minute um, boat ride out to the light and takes 10 or 15 seconds sometimes to just tie up. In uh, one time, I had guests waiting to, to, to be uh, retrieved, and um, it took me over an hour to be able to tie up to that lighthouse. Uh, and again, the same thing, currents, waves, eddies swirling around. Um, so that could be the biggest challenge. And, and again, the same thing with maintenance. Um, I you know, have my full-time career, so I can't tell you how many times I actually took vacation days or days off my job uh, planning a painting day. And you get everything set up, ladders, everything's all ready. And within, you know, 20 minutes, you're up to a, you know, a 10 knot wind and paint splattering everywhere. Uh, and then you have to just call it, you have to, you know, you, uh, so yeah, a lot of times we plan uh, certain maintenance uh, duties out there and just, and aren't able to do it. And, and like the last time we painted, I would say if you were able to paint uh, an average of eight hours a day, we probably would have had the entire tower painted in a few days Mm -hmm. But the last time it took three months to complete it just <laughs> wow. because every time we went out, we might've gotten an hour in before the winds kicked in or whatnot, or, you know, it started to rain. So yeah, weather is, 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 is the big challenge out there for sure. Yeah. yeah I remember one time, uh, I, you know, the West wind, the West wind out there is the worst oh. wind to get into anything. Absolutely. And it was blowing so hard. And thank God I had the, these guests that were from like oil drilling platforms but there's, this, there's one side where there's no ladder that is pretty calm. And I pulled the boat up along the side of the lighthouse and they jumped from where the rails were at down onto the boat. I was like, I'm not going to be able to get you off unless you guys just jump off. And it wasn't tied up to anything and they jumped on. That was the excitement of their life though. But the average guest would be you know, petrified. 
Gotcha. I would be. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I, I need to change the subject a little bit here. And I'm going to ask you something, Nick. I, I have to ask this, but you did bring it up earlier also. But uh, the question is, is Borden Flats Lighthouse haunted? You know, I, I say yes. You know, I've always been a critic about ghost stories and stuff, but that was probably the most haunted, you know, not bad spirits or anything like that, but the most haunted experience I ever had was, you know, living out there at that lighthouse. Can you give an example or two of stuff you experienced? I know you've told me some things, just yeah, yeah, not, it's hard, hard to pick out just one or two things. Yeah. But. Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, the bedroom was, was right under the lantern room. And at the time, you know, we always had the rotating light when I lived out there, the VRB. And so you'd hear the hum of that lighthouse. So that's why I, I have this behind me. Cause that was like my saving grace at night. I needed some sort of a noise. And so I would have my laptop. And if, uh, if you have a MacBook, if you know, if it gets too cold, it won't work or charge if it gets below a certain temperature. So um, I'd make sure that was all charged and heated so that I could put that on. But I would lay in bed at night and I'd hear parlor music from like the, you know, like a Vitrola. And then I'd hear people scraping paint and knocking on the front door and up and down the stairs. And then one time I was in the kitchen and someone whispered, come over here from the basement. And I was like, oh, this is enough. And so, you know, the guests wow. love, you know, the ghost stories and stuff like that. But it got to a point where when it got dark out, I was not there anymore. So even during the winter, like 4.30, the sun's going down. Like, I'm back to shore. I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> I don't want the ghosts. <laughs> so, but I don't think it's something every guest experiences. But when you're out there, you know, and I was the one that was doing the work to the property. So they saw it was me. It wasn't the guests that were coming to spend the night. It was me disturbing you know their their quiet space and so um and i know that when you came out for the investigation we you know i i, I, don't, I don't remember the other two mediums that were with us but you know the lighthouse keeper asked if i needed help with anything and one of them was to keep those seagulls off i said can you keep the birds off because it used to just be covered every spring i'd come back and there was not an inch that wasn't uh defecated on yeah and, uh, he said yeah he would do that and then after that I never had a seagull crap on that lighthouse. And I don't know if that was true or not, but it just stopped. Interesting. Well, I'm not sure if Kevin has that experience or not. Yeah. That was with yeah, New England I, Ghost Project that I was out there that night. Oh, that was wow. an interesting experience. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin, any any comments on this subject? Well, yeah. I mean, um, it, it was funny when, when, when Nick took me out on that very first day after purchasing. And he said to me, I, one thing I forgot to tell you <laughs> is that uh, we have two uh, fairly prominent spirits uh, here on board. Um, and obviously, I... I kind of just brushed it off and said, yeah, okay, it's understandable. And, and I, I'm totally into the, the whole spirit ghost thing myself, but, um, and I couldn't wait to meet them. Um, but when Nick said, um, I think it's very, very important and you might think I'm a weirdo, but we need to sit down and I need to introduce you to the two spirits um, so that they understand that um, there is going to be a new keeper. Um, and that you are going to take care of the lighthouse. And, uh, and so they would feel comfortable with you. And I was like, okay. So we sat down <laughs> and uh, Nick kind of talked into the air. Um, and our spirits are John Paul. And uh, we later found out uh, the little girl's name is Lucy. And uh, I felt better after that little, that little meeting that we've had. Um, but since day one, it's funny, um, in being on that lighthouse just about seven days a week, 
Um, I have never encountered uh, them at all. However, mm -hmm. yes, it is fairly active. Um, um, but again, um, I've had a few mediums and psychics out there, uh, and they have both assured um, uh, assured me that um, they are spirits and not ghosts. And the way they explained it was is that in most cases, ghosts um, can be angry or they, you know, they stay behind because of a vendetta or, you know, uh, unfinished business. Um, and so they could spook and they can haunt and, you know, they're able to throw things across the room, whereas spirits are just that. Um, and they assured me that they were very, very kindred spirits, very um, warm and welcoming Mm -hmm. um uh and, and and to get into a story we've i've you know we have a we have a guest book there and uh uh and most guests who've had an experience will will write their experience in there uh, and it's mostly the same thing as as nick had said uh some have heard little lucy singing uh giggling is is the most popular thing they hear a little girl giggling uh and then uh heavy footsteps which I would assume is John Paul um, being a, a grown gentleman um, up inside. A, a lot of the stories have been very entertaining, um, but to get back to um, one of uh, the guests came in. Um, matter of fact, the couple was from Knoxville, Tennessee. And uh, I had not put anything on the website at all about the spirits and nor had Nick ever. Um, so they had no idea. Uh, but the minute they walked into the lighthouse, uh, the woman, Catherine, she just stopped dead in her tracks and she just started shaking and her legs were buckling. And I, I you know, I thought, oh, my gosh, I got to get her back in the boat and do the rescue <laughs> on, on shore. And it's um, low time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, but no, she she finally gathered herself and she said, you know, I, I have to apologize. Um, I was born with psychic ability. And although I don't really practice it or use it. She said, when I'm overcome, it just weakens me. And, and she said, the second I walked into this lighthouse, um, she said, are you, are you aware there are two extremely prominent spirits here? And I played that I knew nothing about it because <laughs> I wanted to hear what she had to say. Mm -hmm. um, and she went on um, and she described them to a T. I actually wow. had goosebumps and wow. I thought, okay, this woman is the real deal. And I just, I said to her, I said, well, during your stay, I want to hear and know about everything that happens. And what was funny was, is that I gave them the tour. We always end the tour up in the light room. And I was telling them uh, the story about that Nick had told me um, about how he had to deal with all the guano. And it was so hard for him to paint the exterior and about his story that one day he got so frustrated that he kind of asked John Paul if he could you know, help him with the seagull situation. And it's still exactly the same as Nick just described. I've had that lighthouse five years now, and not once have I ever seen a bird land on the lighthouse, mm -hmm. nor have I found one marking from a bird or a seagull or a cormorant at all on that lighthouse. And um, when I was telling Catherine th this story, you know, it was funny because we couldn't understand why that was happening. She um, obviously she closed her eyes. And next thing I knew, she was telling me that John Paul was 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 communicating to her. And he had said that you need to tell Kevin 
that I placed a capsule around this, this lighthouse. And we didn't understand what that meant. And at first, I thought, wow, could there be a time capsule hidden in the lighthouse somewhere that we were unaware of? I got all excited. But John Paul heard me say, I wonder if it's a time capsule. He supposedly screamed in Catherine's head and said, no, you've got to tell Kevin that it's an energy capsule. And so when Catherine had communicated and said, we don't understand what that means, John Paul. And he said, well, I placed an energy capsule around this lighthouse for three reasons. One, to keep all light keepers safe from harm. Two, to keep the lighthouse forever safe from harm. And three, to keep all seabirds away. And when she said that, I freaked. I said, excuse me? And I said, what did you just say? And she said, she started to, I said, no, the last thing. She goes, I don't know, something about seabirds? And boom, (laughs) there it was. I called Nick immediately and I said, well, we just found out why this phenomenon exists of um, no seabirds landing on that lighthouse and defecating on it. And much to, you know, my happiness, because guess who'd be cleaning it all? <laughs> so yeah, to this day, that phenomenon is is still apparent. And wow. uh, we tell our guests about it, and they are just completely floored, because the entire time that they stay on the lighthouse, they watch all the birds come towards it and actually just fly right around it, and none land, and they and I tell them to look around, and they look at all the decks and all the roofs, and they don't see a single marking. So it is a wonderful phenomenon that we that we every day I go there, I thank John Paul and Lucy for <laughs> taking good care of us. Well, to, to connect back to that John Paul story, um, I think Jeremy Detremont had uh, contact with his um, great granddaughter back in the day that she had contacted you. And uh, she reached out. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so she reached out to me and brought her mom, which was John mm-hmm. Paul's, would be his granddaughter. And I got her up onto the lighthouse. And I have that picture of his granddaughter out there. And this was right before we sold. And mm-hmm. she just passed away last year. Oh. And so I have a picture of all three generations of them. And they're holding a picture of John Paul. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was kind of cool, but he, he was the, the, the grace that got her up that ladder. She, she was like 87 years old and made it up that ladder. She wanted to go out to where her grandfather was a lighthouse keeper. Yeah. And, um, and going back to what you're saying about how, when you walked in, you felt as if you had been there before. And, you know, I, you know, I kind of almost feel like we're kind of chosen, you know, to be these keepers, but uh, I, I got Stratford Shoals awarded to me years ago. And unfortunately I had to turn it back because it just wasn't following through with the submerged land lease. But I was doing some research like a year ago and found out that John Paul was a lighthouse keeper at Stratford Shoals lighthouse. And I was like, oh my, what were the odds of, you know, I apply for this one other lighthouse and I get a word to me and it happened to be one that he was at. He wanted me to go mm-hmm. and pick that one up. And so yeah, um, it's just weird, you know, when you yeah. go into all that old, he also was keeper at Dutch Island Light in Rhode Island for yeah. some years, and I have some experience with that. I helped get the, the organization started to, to, to take care of that uh, years ago. So I've had I've known about John Paul for a long time. Uh, and when we did the New England Ghost Project investigation, I was just going to mention that uh, Leslie Marden, who was the uh, medium who was working with the, the ghost project on that, that investigation, 
uh, knew nothing about the place going in. She didn't, she, that's how she operated. She didn't want to know a, a thing about the place. He, she didn't know exactly where she was being taken or anything like that until she got there. And if you remember, Nick, she started saying, I, I'm thinking uh, the name uh, Jean-Paul, like the French yeah. name seems to be very, very prominent here. I keep seeing Jean-Paul. And she actually drew a picture at one point and yeah. uh, drew, it was fairly close to, to what he looked like. Um, but she said he's he's very much here. So that just kind I of remember uh, we had done a, a spirit board, which is, I think, similar to like a Ouija board. And, uh, you know, you know, as I get older, I learned that, you know, my sense of humor might not be more appropriate. But uh, <laughs> she had said, you know, you know, he's he's got a lot of work to do right now. We need to leave him alone. He doesn't want to talk to us anymore. Mm -hmm. And I made a joke that said, you know, yeah, well, if he's got so much work to do, why is this place so dirty all the time? And remember that Blanche, that thing like shot across the board towards me. And she's like, oh, you've really upset him. You need to apologize. And that's when I apologized. And I was like, yeah, I'm sorry for that. But uh, I don't know that that place has got some, yeah, it's some great experiences to be had. Mm -hmm. It's not bad experiences, but it, it's mm -hmm. holding a lot of history. And if, you know, if those walls could talk, those walls, well, they talk, but yeah. Yeah, I wish they could. Yeah, we and we've and I've had several um, other guests that I guess are blessed with psychic abilities as well. And they all say the same thing when they arrive, that they have a warm welcome, a warm feeling come over them. Um, mm -hmm. and it's just a wonderful kind of aura, karma. Uh, in that lighthouse. And yes, I mean, when you think about all the hurricanes and storms, she has survived. Uh, yeah. And just about all she ended up with was a five degree tilt. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, we love that they're there. Um, and uh, uh, it, it's funny, that's that same woman, Catherine, um, at the time, we had talked about little Lucy, and we didn't know her entire story. Nick had mentioned to me that it was passed down from keeper to keeper that that she had drowned when their dinghy had um, uh, tipped um, in, in the bay. We didn't really know her name. Uh, and uh, I had told Catherine about that. So while she was staying, she she did her best and she finally communicated the next morning to her. And so we didn't know her name. So she simply asked her and um, and Lucy told her her name was Lucy. And uh, and she asked why she remained. And she simply said that because the keeper came out in his dinghy to try and rescue me and save me. I want to remain to help him. And so she's been on board with us ever since too. So it's, it's actually wonderful stories on both of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, we could go on on this <laughs> for, for a while. Uh, but I, I do want to say that if you can figure out a way to market the uh, energy capsule around the lighthouse, you know, Absolutely. I know there's a lot of other lighthouse organizations that would buy that in, a, in an instant. <laughs> if you can figure out how to, how to make that available to others. But anyway, I have, uh, well, I have a question for you, Kevin, before we wrap up here, I'm wondering if you have any what your future plans might be with the lighthouse. And I think in relation to that, you may want to announce something specific that's going on. Oh, okay. Well, yes, I, you know, have had a wonderful five years there. Unfortunately, over the five years, I, um, I have a heart issue. Uh, I've had two minor heart attacks. Uh, I now have eight uh, stents in my arteries. 
Uh, I feel healthy. I feel great. But my wife has consistently begged me <laughs> to take it down a few notches. And uh, um, with having two full-time jobs, she just begged me to, to decide to give one of them up. Uh, and of course, my full-time career is what pays the mortgage. So I finally this, this summer decided that uh, it might be time to let the next keeper come aboard and, uh, and maybe do bigger and better things. Uh, I know, you know, Nick did an incredible job. I've tried to, you know, and always just want to leave it better than I found it. But yeah, I think I've decided to put her up for sale. I did put a, full, a few feelers out. Uh, to past guests, uh, I sent an email out to about 400 of our past guests, who, many of whom who always said the same thing I did to Nick. If you're ever going to sell this place, you know, let us know. And we did get uh, several uh, interested parties, uh, none of which ended up, you know, financially being able to, you know, come through and, uh, and follow through. So um, I'm hoping that as the season ends up now, we, uh, we end the season uh, about mid-November, uh, I'm going to go back and, and uh, try to market her again. And my, my dream and my hope is to find another passionate person who wants to keep um, Borden Flats operating turnkey as it is, as an overnight destination. Uh, I've had several offers from folks who um, would like to purchase it and keep it as a private residence, like a summer home, mm -hmm. um, which that would be my absolute last desire, my last resort. So for any of you out there that are listening and you think you might have uh, some interest in owning a wonderful, beautiful lighthouse, uh, as well as um, a great overnight destination, you know, being sold out so many years in a row and will continue, you know, we would love to hear from you. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. I've, I'm reluctantly, um, it's very hard because every time I go out there, I just keep thinking like, you know, um, how can I give this up? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it's time to think. Um, my wife says to me, uh, I'm 63 years old and we're a couple of years away from retiring. And she's like, Kevin, please, I just want you to make it to retirement <laughs> so we can enjoy it. So yeah, obviously it's a decent amount of work uh, keeping a lighthouse. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think it's time for me to, uh, to, to move on and, uh, and hopefully find the, the next keeper to keep this historic gem, you know, alive and well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sorry you're having to do that, but it sounds like the, the right thing for, for everybody. Uh, and, but you're just a kid, by the way, at 63. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm three years older. So, yeah. oh, okay. Well, I feel like a kid, but unfortunately <laughs> the body doesn't agree with me all the time. And, yeah, uh, no, I, I know what you're yeah. talking about, but I'm glad you're feeling well, uh, these days, but I'm hoping that maybe, uh, somebody listening to this podcast might, might be the right person, you know, Absolutely. you never know where they might be. And certainly we have a lot of people who are passionate lighthouse buffs, uh, who, Maybe looking to buy a lighthouse. I get emails from people fairly often. How do I buy a lighthouse? Uh, so you never know. The timing uh, might just uh, coincide just perfectly here. So, um, so I have one final question for both of you. Okay, uh, and this is for bonus points, of course. Uh, the question is: What has been your favorite thing about owning thing or things about owning Borden Flats Lighthouse? Nick, you want to go first? Go ahead. Yeah, I honestly, I'd say it was the allowing me to make the friendships uh you know opening myself you know into the lighthouse community you know with jeremy and you know 
the American Lighthouse Foundation, U.S. Lighthouse Society, these people, you know, that really care about these lighthouses. And, you know, it's allowed me to be a part of them and help contribute. And um, from what you're telling me, you know, it's kind of a new good feeling that it's touching so many people's hearts and souls that I, I don't even think about that. I don't, thought doesn't even ever cross my mind until you tell me all these people and all the proposals and stuff. And I just like lighthouses. I guess in a way it was almost like a selfish thing. I just wanted to see it painted and restored, but I didn't realize that it was going to have uh, that much of a lasting impact on people. So I think that's probably the best part. Kevin. Yeah, I would concur. I, uh, it's the people, um, the guests that come and obviously because it is so unique, one of the only offshore lighthouse towers you can, you can spend the night in. We've had guests from all over the world and, and actually our percentage is about 40% New Englanders and 60% from abroad, folks from Spain and Italy and, and England, all different parts of the United States and Canada all come to stay. So meeting these wonderful folks that have, you know, the same passion for lighthouses has been, you know, incredible. So I think that uh, that would be what I would miss the most is just the people uh, and the opportunity to, to, to meet so many wonderful people and know that uh, like when they leave, what's amazing is, is they, they hug you, they love you, they, you know, um, because we gave them that opportunity. And I think like Nick said, little did he know what he was starting here. And it was, it's only my, it was only been my duty to continue his legacy that he started. Uh, and, and that's why it's so hard for me. I mean, it's very easy for me to take any one of the other offers and sell it and, you know, let the lighthouse be in whatever hands, but um, I'm going to hold out as long as I possibly can to find that one passionate lighthouse enthusiast that has been dying to own a lighthouse. And also, um, you know, a wonderful overnight, you know, uh, business that goes along with it um, that, uh, you know, is, is something that they can take as, you know, what we've brought forward and hopefully take it to the next level. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I'm going to miss the people the most, uh, the work. Well, <laughs> but you know, then again, there's always been like, I'm up there on a 32 foot ladder hanging off the side and I'm trying to paint and it's difficult, but I, it, the reward, um, when you, when you come back down and you look up and you know that you're keeping this like historic landmark alive has mm -hmm. been worth every single second of, um, you know, our time, our energy. And I can only hope that I find someone else that's uh, ready to, to, to take over and, and lead it into the next, uh, the next phase. Yeah. Beautifully said by both of you. And I just want to say that both of you are now part of New England Lighthouse history as much as the keepers of, of old. Truly, I mean, you are uh, lighthouse keepers of the 21st century, and you have done such a, a service for that place and for all the people who've stayed there. And Nick, just to have the audacity to open that place up as for overnight stays. I mean, that was it was crazy in a good way, but it's worked out. It's worked out so well. Uh, there are, it's very rare for people to have the opportunity to stay in a lighthouse uh, offshore uh, like that, a caisson lighthouse. I know of only one other one, Goose Rocks, and that's in Maine. That's pretty limited as far as stays there. So uh, it's very, very unusual. And I, I commend both of you for everything you've done. I thank you for being in this podcast today. And Kevin, uh, we're going to find uh, the right, right person 
for that Absolutely. place to be the be the next uh, owner slash keeper of Borden Flats Lighthouse. Very hopeful about that. So anybody listening, uh, if you, uh, I think your contact information is easy enough to find Kevin through the website, right? Through the website, yeah. Which Bordenflats.com. is Bordenflats.com. Bordenflats.com. Uh, so anybody interested in uh, owning an amazing lighthouse that's also an overnight uh, accommodations uh, place, uh, please contact Kevin by all means. Absolutely. Uh, Kevin and Nick, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Jeremy, thank you. To learn more about Borden Flats Lighthouse and the overnight stays, go to BordenFlats.com. If you think you might be interested in the possibility of buying the lighthouse, you can email Kevin Farias at kmf777 at yahoo.com. After a few years managing Big Bay Point Lighthouse in Michigan, Nick Korstad will now be involved in an exciting new project. Friends of Brown's Head Lighthouse has been formed in Maine to preserve the historic Brown's Head Light Station on Vinyl Haven. Nick will be leading that effort, and the plan is to open it eventually for overnight stays. So we'll be watching for more news about that. I'm sure we'll be talking about it on this podcast. At this point, I wanted to read another Christmas message from a lighthouse keeper. Cindy, even though this one was a mail keeper, I'd like you to have the honor of helping me to read it. Sure. The quote is from John J. Cook, who was keeper at Stamford Harbor Lighthouse in Connecticut from 1907 to 1909. Cook went to sea early in life and had been awarded many medals during his years in the Navy. A reporter once asked him how he could possibly enjoy Christmas in an isolated, lonely, offshore lighthouse. He said the following, quote, I don't know, it is pretty lonesome here sometimes, especially in winter, but we manage to enjoy our holidays. We can't go to church on Christmas and we miss the nice music and the fine sermons, but there is a compensation for that. What more soul-stirring music could there be than that of wind and wave as they whistle and roar or moan and swish past our little home? And that light aloft is a sermon in itself, unquote. Keeper Cook continued, quote, Many a fervent thank God, many a heart-deep prayer has gone up, maybe from people who wouldn't be thinking of such things ashore, when the red gleam of Stamford light was made out in a storm, or the bell heard in a fog. My little light has its mission, just as your pulpit preacher has his, and no one who has watched it through the terrible winter storms can fail to appreciate this, and with it, his responsibility. Human life, yes, human souls, depend upon that light Christmas and every other night of the year, and I dare guess it's compensation for the loss of a Christmas sermon to keep the light burning steadily, unquote. Thank you, Cindy. I really love that quote because it reminds me of how Connie Small, uh, the author of the book, The Lighthouse Keeper's Wife, once said that she saw lighthouse keeping not just as a job, but as a calling. It wasn't the easiest way of life, but those keepers and their families had a real appreciation of how vital those lighthouses were to preserving life and property. They really were a special breed of people. Mm-hmm. There's one more thing I want to do before we end this episode. I was just reading something very interesting in our local newspaper, the Portsmouth Herald. The headline was, New Hampshire Family Spends Each December Helping Others. The story is about the Butts family who lived near the New Hampshire seacoast. It all started about 12 years ago at a time when they were short of money and an unknown person paid for haircuts for the three kids in the family. That inspired them to do acts of kindness every December since then. 
Some of the things they've done have been handing out $10 gift cards to strangers at Walmart and bringing holiday decorations or meals to neighbors. Eight years ago, they started devoting one day each December to driving around and leaving bags of Christmas goodie baskets on strangers' doorsteps. One year, the kids in the family handed out candy canes with handwritten messages and drawings to Christmas Eve shoppers at Walmart. The family has gotten no community recognition for their good deeds, but they say that's not why they do it. Krista Butts says she doesn't care what their kids choose to be as long as they are kind. In the article, she said, quote, We try hard to go places where people don't know us and just enjoy the spontaneity of it all, because I think it means more to people when it's a stranger doing something nice for you, unquote. So for all their kind acts in the community, we are giving our Be a Lighthouse Award to the Butts family of Lee, New Hampshire, Krista, Jeff, and their children, Ryan, Kyle, and Tyler. A big thank you to them for everything they do to help others. We'll be mailing them a Be a Lighthouse certificate. By the way, a week or so ago, I was in the drive-thru lane at Starbucks, and the woman ahead of me paid for my coffee. <laughs> yeah, she was a complete stranger. I have no idea who she was, but it, it really gave me a nice feeling, so I understand what uh, Krista was uh, talking about there. Mm -hmm. I suggest that everybody do something kind for somebody you don't know. It makes uh, both the recipient and the giver feel pretty special. Next week's episode will feature an interview with Brian and Tara Flanagan, who just completed five years as the caretakers at Baker's Island Light Station in Salem, Massachusetts. Be sure to check out uslhs.org to learn about all the things the U.S. Lighthouse Society does, and please consider a donation to help support this podcast. As 2022 comes to a close, I want to wish everyone a bright, hopeful, and peaceful new year. Here's to a happy and healthy 2023. As always, to our regular listeners and our new ones, thank you so much for listening and keep a good light. Let it shine.